right. <laughs> How's it going, Chris? How's it going? <laughs> a little delayed here today. Had some Facebook Live issues. I don't understand why it was happening, but we are here, and we're good. Hopefully, we don't have the uh, issues we had last week, um, yeah. but we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot to go down, uh, went down this past week. Um, we'll start off before we get into that, um, talking about our scholarship. So sports for all scholarship, um, that we have going on at football addicts anonymous. Um, it's on our website, uh, hit the scholarship tab. It'll take you to the application. We're at $300 currently looking to get at least a thousand dollars. Um, we've had like 15 applicants so far. I appreciate our former, uh, department chair at East Stroudsburg, Dr. Lee, and my department chair here, uh, Dr. Zhang, for sharing it with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we're we're really looking to get donors. That's what we need the most right now. Uh, if you go onto our website, fapodcast.com, you'll see the little donate button on the top right-hand corner there, and um, that'll take you to our PayPal page. Uh, where you can send in your donation. Any little bit helps uh, to try to reach our goal of $1,000. So Very appreciated if anybody can do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, for anyone else that's interested in applying, though, the uh, requirements to apply are a 3.0 minimum GPA. Um, you have to have completed at least one semester of school um, and also majoring in a sport-related field, whether that be sport management, um, business management, athletic training, uh, marketing, any way you can spin your major to be a sport-related major, um, we'll take your application. And also uh, display community involvement. That's exactly what the Sports for All um, meaning is, is that uh, we want everyone to be um, included and also everyone be able to um, apply for this scholarship, regardless of age, race, sex, gender, uh, religious beliefs. I think I covered them all. (laughs) Anybody and everybody can apply as long as you're in the sports related field. That's basically what we're trying to get across. Yeah, and it's um, going to be for the 21-22 school year. So not this school year, um, but next year. So if you're gonna be in school next year, definitely. I don't know if that's how this <laughs> definitely um, apply for it here. So um, getting into the news now. So we'll start off with some college news since it literally just happened like five, ten minutes ago. The first college football player announced he is opting out of the 2020 NCAA season. Virginia Tech corner Caleb Farley uh, projected as a first-round pick next year um i haven't really paid attention too much to him but yeah uh first college player to opt out after so many nfl players opted out which we'll talk about in a little bit but i'm not sure how many college players are going to i heard there was there is supposedly gonna gonna be um quite a few that opt out just like the nfl yeah we'll see the uh the domino effect start to happen, kind of like what already happened in the NFL. Curious to see 
how many uh, college players actually end up uh, opting out because I feel like them playing in college is a lot more important than the NFL players because the college players, especially the ones that have an actual shot at the at becoming a pro, they're going to need to play this year to kind of get that draft stock up a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, the health and safety comes first. But. Yeah, and that's what um, someone was saying on Twitter before about um, who's going to be this year's Joe Burrow going from a uh, mid to late round pick in the preseason to the number one overall pick or a first round pick um, in 2021. So we'll see definitely how that affects the college season. And staying with the ACC here, uh, they just announced their schedule. So they're going to play an 11 game schedule, um, 10 conference games, one non-conference game. Notre Dame is going to be included in the conference. They will be able to play for the ACC championship this year. And um, they're going to start September 7th, the week of September 7th through the the 12th. That's going to be their first game. That was originally scheduled to be week two for the ACC. And um, the championship game is going to be between the top two teams uh, with the highest conference winning percentage. They're going to do away with the divisions for this year and um, just do conference winning percentage of the top two teams to make the ACC title game. And also their non-conference game for each team is going to be against the team in the home team in the, it's going to be against a team that is in the ACC team's home state. So um, I don't know, you think of Clemson, South Carolina, that could be a potential matchup there. I know looking at the um, schedule, the conference schedule that the ACC put out, Week one actually is very intriguing to me. It's it's Notre Dame Clemson at Notre Dame, um, so that definitely is going to be one of the better week one games I think for the ACC. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It'll be a very interesting thing to see how it all it all folds out, and uh, I just know I'm looking forward to that second week in September because that's when. The college football is supposed to start and NFL a couple of days later. So hopefully yeah. we actually get those to start when they're supposed to. Yeah, and the that just leaves the um, the Big Twelve and the SEC to announce what they're doing for the twenty twenty season. And speaking of what every conference is doing, um, our man Adrian he has um, his college football uh, article by conference on what each conference is doing for the twenty twenty season up on our website, fapodcast.com. So definitely go and check that one out. And also his Jamal Adams trade article as well, which we'll talk about the Jamal Adams trade here. Um, that is up on the website as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely go check out those articles because they're pretty good ones. Uh, I don't so, know how many are up now, but yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll get into the Jamal Adams trade here, Chris. And, um, so the Seahawks traded for Jamal Adams. They got him and a 2022 fourth-round pick, sent the New York Jets safety Bradley McDougald a 2021 and 2022 first-round picks, as well as a 2021 third-round pick. 
Give me your thoughts, Chris. So this is the exact kind of package I wanted for him. But I was hoping it would have been for a worse team than the Seahawks because I know I'm expecting the Seahawks to at least make the playoffs. And I'm sure a lot of other people are too. So when you think about it, that's somewhere in the mid-20s probably for that draft pick, at least for this year and probably even for next year. Um, So, I mean, I like the trade because he clearly didn't want to be here anymore and he was just going to cause more problems. He would have probably been worse than what, like, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were for you with the Steelers. He would have probably gotten even worse than that, which is saying something because they were both pretty bad too. Um, So I'm kind of glad he's gone now so that we can move on from that headache. But I also don't like the timing of the trade either because of the question marks of what's going to happen this season with both college and, and NFL. Like if they don't end up playing, then like it's basically just throwing the dart at the dartboard with blindfolded. Like you don't really know who's going to be good or whatever. You're basically just going based on what they did last year. now. So I don't know. It's going to be tough, but I overall though, I'm, at the moment, I like the trade. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked to see um, how much they got out of him. Um, yeah, they got more than the than the Raiders did for Khalil Mack, which I'm surprised about. Yeah, two first-round picks and a starting safety as, uh, as long as a third-round pick. Um, Ashton Davis. Right, but I think um, definitely with the non-off season, uh, McDougal is definitely going to start right away. Yeah. Uh, uh, beside Marcus May in the in the secondary there, and Ashton Davis will play the third safety role as he progresses. But yeah, um, I, I don't know if it's a good deal for both teams though. I think the Jets. Personally, I think the Jets want it for now. Um, because of how Adams plays as well as the Seahawks need to extend him eventually, maybe not this year, but uh, definitely next off season, they're going to have to put aside money for him. Yeah, there's and, no way that they gave up as much as they did without the intention of keeping him long-term. So, Right. Um, but like I said, it's the thing is it's, what he plays is the box safety kind of role mm-hmm. and those players just aren't really worth that much. <laughs> you can kind of, you can find a guy to, to play a box safety role. What I think the harder part is to find a coverage safety, um, which Jamal Adams hasn't been in his career with only two career interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, was, it was funny though, because I was reading up on like stats and stuff and, one of the things that I saw that people were complaining about most is that he is probably one of the best safeties in terms of getting to the quarterback because he had like six and a half sacks last year, which was a big reason why the Jets defense was ranked as high as they were because he was making up for the lack of pass rushers that we had. But, I mean, like I said, now with the returns of the linebackers and all that and – I, I think they'll be fine about him. But, yeah, I was surprised when I saw that the Seahawks were the trade partner when uh, 
because of all all the stuff that they gave up. Because usually I feel like the Seahawks are very good with keeping their own picks and like signing their own guys and stuff. So I was kind of surprised that they went after him and gave up as much as they did. Well, I think this year this year's draft was the first time they had made a first round pick since. I don't even know. They usually don't make a first-round pick. They usually trade out. But, um, yeah, well, John Snyder won't have to worry about that now since he won't have a first-round pick next two years. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how how that trade shakes out eventually. Another trade, though, um, much, much lower-profile trade uh, that I don't really think a lot of people cared about or even probably heard about Um the Bears, they sent Adam Shaheen, their former second-round tight end, to Miami for a 2021 conditional seventh-round pick. Um, again, that's kind of non-factor trade. I mean, it, it definitely gives them depth at a position that they haven't really been good at for the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, they've been hoping Mike Jasicki can, can give them a boost, which maybe this is the year for him, but... Um, that tight end position in Miami just hasn't been that great. Yeah, that move was no more than a depth move to me because it was kind of the Bears just giving up on a player and trying to get something back from That's pretty much what it was. Yeah, I mean, the original report I heard was a conditional sixth-round pick, so, I mean, it would have been better, but uh, seventh is seventh. (laughs) Uh, You could find a diamond in the rough in the seventh round, so. That's true. Uh, not this year, though. <laughs> they won't make a roster, but <laughs> maybe next year. Um, moving on to the Niners here. So Raheem Moser, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, uh, requesting a trade from the team. And um, we weren't sure if it was going to happen or not because of all the other trade speculations out there with a couple other players. But he got a contract restructure uh, from the team that is going to pay him more this year. So he was originally scheduled to make uh, $2.575 million this year. Um, that's still going to be the case, but he gets a $300,000 signing bonus now, as well as an extra $2.75 million in incentives this year, which I'm sure the team made them um, pretty easy incentives to get, I would, I would assume, and then uh, maybe a couple harder ones. But um, overall, he can make over uh, $5 million, $5.5 million this year. So definitely a better little bit of pay raise for him. Yeah, not a bad deal for him. But, um, yeah, I was just – like, that also creates a domino effect with, like, um, players like Devontae Freeman now. Because like, when we were talking about him, when we were talking about the free agents and stuff, I – I was a big believer that they were going to trade Moster and sign him because of his connections with Shanahan and Tevin Coleman and stuff like that. But now I, I don't know where he's going to go, but we'll find out with that. Yeah, uh, I was reading a, an article on biggest uh, bold predictions for training camp. And for the Niners, actually, it was about Jarek McKinnon being the pass catching back out of the backfield for the Niners because they didn't really have that the last two years and that's what he was brought in to be was the pass catcher so we'll see uh, if he can stay healthy this year and he's been out the last two years with a knee injury but um, 
we'll see what, what happens with that. Sticking with the Niners, though, uh, just recently, I think it was yesterday, that um, general manager John Lynch got a five-year contract extension. Uh, he will be with the team through 2024 now, and it matches up with uh, Coach Kyle Shanahan's contract as well, like they were from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, John Lynch definitely been a pleasant surprise as a GM. Uh, it was a question mark when he came in with Kyle Shanahan, but went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, I, I was really surprised, like you said, when he – first got signed by the 49ers because he went from being just like an analyst or whatever to the front office. I mean, kind of like what Mike Mayock did with the Raiders, but I think that he was like the first domino that's kind of allowing some of these other guys to do that now. Um, But yeah, he's done a great job, but I still think that they need to upgrade the backup quarterback position because we saw what happened, what was that, two years ago now? when Jimmy Garoppolo went down, then they ended up with, like, the second pick or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, they they need to find a better backup quarterback than Nick Mullins. Well, I mean, there's not really a lot um, out there that I know of anyways. I mean, I haven't looked at the pre-agent quarterbacks in a while, but um, one guy that just got signed today was Brandon Allen, from former Bronco, uh, started three games last year for that team. Uh, he got signed by the Bengals to back up Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, so um, that's one of the veterans that are off the market now. I mean, Lake Bortles is still out there, I think. Yeah, well, uh, he got released by the L.A. Rams, so I I, I wouldn't uh, take him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not a big believer in Nick Mullins. Not that we really need to worry about him because Jimmy Garoppolo's back. He seems healthy, so... But... I still think that the back of quarterback is one of the most important positions on a team. Well, what uh, John Lynch definitely does need to do, uh, even if he doesn't get a, a new backup there, definitely needs to sign George Kittle to a new uh, extension. They were just talking about that on NFL Network today. Um, that's his next biggest uh, issue that he has to figure out, considering that um, a guy – and another guy in California just got signed, um, Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. He got a new contract, makes him the highest defensive player, highest paid defensive player um, in the NFL. Five years, $135 million, $78 million fully guaranteed, and $102, in to- $102 million in total guarantees. He um, beat Miles Garrett by $2 million on an annual basis. So. <laughs> I mean, I personally think he deserves it. I think that he is probably the best, at least, uh, like, edge rusher in the league. Maybe even the best overall defensive player. But, yeah, I think he definitely deserves the honor of being the highest paid at his position. Well, until until T.J. Watt, um, his time comes due, then, then T.J. Watt will definitely surpass him. Um <laughs> That's it. That's a precursor to our uh, predictions episode coming up in a few weeks. <laughs> My defensive player of the year prediction. But um, sticking with the contractual issues here, Dalvin Cook, he showed up in Minnesota for uh, COVID testing. He's going to be in camp. And the, I think the reason why is because of how the new CBA is set up. Um, 
it it essentially is going to end holdouts um, because of the fine structure that is in place now uh, with the new CBA. It's going to be very hard for guys to lose that type of money. I, I believe uh, I haven't looked at it recently, but from just thinking about uh, what I recall from a tweet um, probably a month ago or whatever, whenever the CBA was signed, I believe it's like 50000 a day is what um, the fine is. It's probably less, but um, it's definitely hefty fines. Yeah, so that, sound, that sounds kind of steep, 50000 a day. I wish I had the money to lose 50000 a day. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't remember, but that was the number that just stuck out to me um, that I do did remember. Um, but yeah, no holdouts most likely um, unless, like someone was saying today, that they're, they're a superstar player that they can do it and afford to do it, uh, which is hard when you're looking at your second contract. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, it's definitely uh, good for the Vikings for him to be in camp. Mike Zimmer said he would be in camp, and uh, he is. So, speaking of guys who aren't in camp, um, the opt-out clause, it actually hasn't started yet. Um, So... um, the CBA, or not the CBA, the agreement between the NFL and the NFLPA actually hasn't been signed yet. And what the clause is, is that the opt-out clause starts seven days from when they sign. So whenever that is, uh, we still don't know yet, but whenever that is, it'll be a seven-day window for players um, to decide whether they want in or out of the season. And it is uh, non-retractable. So you can't renege on on opting out. Uh, once you opt out, you're out. You can't play this year. It is a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for voluntary opt out, three hundred and fifty thousand for high risk players, and there's two of those guys that I have uh, on the list that I have here. It's a laundry list of names. A lot of them um, very notable. The first guy was Laurent Duvernay Tardif the guard for the Chiefs. Um, and then I'll just run through them here. Wide receiver, DeAnthony Thomas for the Ravens. Seahawks guard, Chance Warmack. Cowboys corner, Maurice Kennedy. Uh, Washington D lineman, Caleb Brantley. New England has six players. Center guard, Najee Torin. Uh, fullback, Danny Vitale. Offensive tackle, Marcus Cannon, who is their starting right tackle, and he is actually of the high-risk value because he's a cancer survivor back in 2011. Um, Running back, Brandon Bolden. And I think their most notable one, linebacker Dante Hightower. Ravens, uh, offensive tackle, Andre Smith. Broncos, defensive tackle, uh, Kyle Pecco. Cowboys, undrafted free agent, wide receiver, um, Stephen Guidry. Uh, Bears defensive tackle Eddie Goldman. That's another big one. Uh, another Patriots uh, safety Patrick Chung. Bills defensive tackle Star Lotulule. Uh, Vikings nose tackle Michael Pierce. He's also a high risk. 
um, guy with uh, respiratory issues. Eagles wide receiver <laughs> Goodwin. Uh, Jets offensive lineman Leo Kolo, Koloa Matangi. No idea who he <laughs> uh, Free agent guard Larry Warford is out. Uh, Panthers offensive lineman Brandon Bowen. Packers wide receiver Devin Funches. Giants offensive tackle Nate Solder. And Chiefs running back Damian Williams, Nate Solder, and Damian Williams both happening today. Hey, real quick, though, too, because I was checking the list while you uh, were going through it. Another person was just announced by Adam Schefter a couple minutes ago. Lions defensive tackle John Atkins is also opting in. So, yeah. Uh, so it's it's crazy um, the amount. I think I saw on uh, NFL Network today that uh, Jim Trotter had said uh, it was up to twenty nine. So I didn't have all the guys there, but mm-hmm. uh, now. And I, I also heard something the other day that. Uh, one of the McCourty twins was also considering it. I don't know if they were going to go through with it or whatever, but I know that one of them was at least considering the opt-out, especially because, I mean, I don't want to say that the Patriots season is kind of looking a little, like, doom and gloomy here, but a lot of their players are opting out now. So, I mean, it's Belichick, so I'm never going to count them out, but still. Yeah, that's what uh, someone was saying on Twitter. is funny because, so Hightower opts out, um, Patrick Chung opted out, and they were saying about how the defense isn't going to be the same, but then they drafted Chase Winovich, Anthony Jennings at linebacker, and Kyle Duggar at safety were their first three draft picks. So <laughs> they, they have rookies to replace them, but yeah. um, I don't think they were expecting the rookies to play that big of a role right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how the Patriots do this year, um, but yeah. The um, another couple of players that aren't going to be in camp, commissioners exempt list players who just got put on that this past week. Three guys, um, wide receiver Cody Latimer for Washington. He was charged with uh, multiple felonies from a May arrest of this year after he threatened his friend with a gun and also fired it at a poker game. Um, the charges are felony assault in the second degree, uh, menacing and illegal discharge of a firearm, misdemeanor charges of prohibited use of a weapon and reckless endangerment. Um, not sure how much of an impact he was going to have on the team. Uh, definitely a, a veteran, veteran depth receiver um, that they could have used. But uh, we'll see how long he's on the exempt list or uh, how his legal issues shake out. The other two guys are connected. Um, DeAndre Baker, the corner for the Giants, and defensive back Quentin Dunbar for the Seahawks. They together uh, were arrested for an armed robbery. Uh, I'm not sure the date on that, but um, Baker is uh, four counts of armed robbery and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm, and Dunbar is just four counts of armed robbery. So all three of those guys not going to be in camp. Um, I did see, though, that they can um, be at the team facility um, on a limited basis, depending on um, how much the NFL allows them to be there, essentially. So they can they can go and, and be in meetings. They just can't be on the field. 
to me, that's a little light of a punishment because I've, I feel like there's been people that've done less and gotten worse punishments than that. So, like, yeah. I like, I want to bring up Josh Gordon. I mean, yes, weed is illegal and all that, but weed is not the same as like pointing a gun at somebody and like threatening their lives. And Josh Gordon is basically kicked out of the league now. So I don't know. Right. Um, I mean, well, well, speaking. Speaking of uh, Josh Gordon and indefinite suspensions or year-long suspensions, I should say, um, another thing that came out this past week was uh, talk of Martavis Bryant, the former Raiders and Steelers wide receiver. Uh, he's apparently garnering interest around the league uh, from a couple of teams, but um, it's it's uncertain of whether he's going to be in the league this year. He hasn't filed for reinstatement yet. So um, what I was – seeing is that he he most likely won't play this year um but maybe 2021 he could come back uh we'll see about that um going back to the dalvin cook thing here a little bit uh i forgot to say some a couple things so cook is looking for extension that's why he was originally um suspected of holding out but he has a 1.33 million base salary Last year of his rookie deal, $608,000 um, signing bonus. Not sure uh, if his deal is going to get done this year or not. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> but If I were the Vikings, I wouldn't do it yet. But I mean, he's missed one of his four years um, with an ACL tear. And uh, last year he was definitely one of the best running backs, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be even though he was like you said one of the best last year I'd still be afraid that something's going to happen to him again like what happened two years ago so yeah and they have Alexander Madison so they are prepared if uh he would leave in free agency next year but um I think they they definitely want to keep him in Minnesota com- considering all the pieces that they've lost um this year in free agency even though most of them were on the defensive side of the ball but that definitely Dalvin Cook uh, should be considered uh, long-term for the Vikings. And speaking of another running back, though, when we were talking about the list of players that opted out, uh, Damian Williams today especially, that puts Clyde Odegelaire right in the workhorse um, category for the Chiefs. He's going to get all the carries, essentially, um, which elevates his draft status as well, uh, not just in Dynasty Leagues, but in, in main leagues as well. And I know that um, Jonathan Taylor had been the – quote-unquote number one running back uh, in rankings, in dynasty rankings anyways, for rookies. But I think definitely now, if, if your dynasty league hasn't had their rookie draft yet, uh, you're lucky because Di- <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Alaire is definitely the number one overall pick now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who ended up getting him in our league, but whoever did is lucky. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I definitely think that he's going to have – a pretty big season now and I would even go as far as to maybe even look out for him to at least be in the running for rookie of the year now so yeah I think uh, right now the only two sure things in offensive rookie of the year are Joe Burrow and Clyde Mm -hmm. (laughs) Edwards-Alaire (laughs) CEH it just doesn't sound right though I don't I don't want to call him that (laughs) until announcers start calling him that then maybe but (laughs) <laughs> We're not going to start that trend on, on here. No, I, I like his name, so it's a, it flows very nicely. 
Um, so this year in camp, it's going to look a lot different, like everyone's been saying everywhere. Um, the rosters are at 90 right now, and they can be cut to 80. Um, 80 is the max that they're going to be able to have in training camp. But teams have two options of when to cut to 80. Um, the first one was yesterday. So if they cut down to 80 before yesterday, um, which was the official report date for um, vets, which were the last people to report, if they cut down yesterday, they're fine. They don't have to do anything else. They can run training camp as scheduled uh, per the NFL, which is definitely weird as well. But if they didn't cut down to 80 by yesterday, um, the next date is August 16th. And if they're going to do it, then um, they have to um, use a split squad approach. So it means it just splits the squad, splits team into two groups. Um, and the first group is going to be mainly rookies, first-year players, some quarterbacks and some injured players as well is going to be in that group. The second one is going to be all the yesterday. Um and if they use that approach, they can cut down any time before August 16th. Um, I'm not sure, though, if if they cut in between. I'm not sure if once they get down to 80, if that moves them to the regular practice or, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, definitely weird um, thing to do. There's going to be a lot of weird, like, instances this year with everything going on. That's just yeah. one of them. The, the reason it's August 16th uh, for that last day of being able to cut down to 80 is because August 17th on the NFL calendar is the first scheduled padded practice for all the teams. So I know that I'm pretty sure this still doesn't apply to the Chiefs and Texans. Uh, all the stuff that is all the dates, I'm pretty sure they don't apply to those two teams because they still are the first team two teams to play um, four days before. So, yeah. Um, another thing that that's goes along with the training camp um, rules is the COVID-19 reserve list. So I know today uh, for the Eagles, they, they just put three guys on it today. Lane Johnson, the starting right tackle, um, backup tackle, uh, Jordan Mailata, and linebacker, Nathan Gary, all three got on the COVID-19 list. So this list is not just for players that test positive. It's also for players that have come into contact with an infected person uh, based off of the contract contact tracing that all the teams are doing. Um, and two other notable guys that got put on this list two rookies that are expected to produce this year, Justin Jefferson for the wide receiver for the Vikings and Buccaneers running back Keyshawn Vaughn, both on the COVID-19 list. So we'll see how long it takes these guys to get off it, uh, whether they did test positive or not. Uh, we don't know, except for Lane Johnson, though, because he came out on Twitter and said that he is pot tested positive uh, for COVID-19. So he expects to um, get back as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're going to run into a, that a lot this year, though, because um, I'll use, like, the MLB for an example right now, but the Miami Marlins, 
they opening day or whatever they tested positive like 11 of them or whatever and now the number is up to 18 so they've kind of been quarantined and they're not allowed to play for like the next week or whatever so and luckily it didn't spread to the Phillies that they were playing but I could see it happening a lot more and a lot worse in the NFL because the NFL is much more of a contact sport so if one person gets it he's going to spread it to the rest of his team and then the team that they're playing is going to get too because they're touching each other and sweating and coughing and all that on each other so I don't know it'll be interesting to see if they can avoid doing that we'll see yeah I mean I don't you're right I don't I don't know if it did spread to the Phillies but I know they got shut down as well uh for a couple it, days. yeah they got shut down for a couple of days but I think as of right now there was no positive test for the Phillies so let's yeah, hope it that, stays that way and that's what one thing one um biggest questions that uh, people are asking is why the NFL didn't do a bubble like some of the other sports leagues, like the NBA, like the NHL, um, MLS, and NWSL, National Women's Soccer League as well. All four of those leagues um, created bubbles to run their playoffs, essentially. Um, And all four have had zero tested positive um, within the last couple of weeks. And I know the NWSL had zero total um, throughout their whole Challenge Cup. Um, MLS, I'm not, I don't remember what the date was on that. Um, and the NBA was about a two-week window that they had no positives, as well as the NHL. So, I mean, I know a bubble for the NFL isn't really feasible, though. That's, that's the only thing. With that, with how many players it is, yeah, they because the NFL I think is the biggest league probably if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So so yeah, there's no way that they could keep like thousands of players in one spot, and yeah, there's no place that would be able to accommodate that. So, I mean, I can see them doing it in like four or five different places, but not like one or two central places. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, one idea would be to kind of do what the NHL is doing, where you have two hub cities and you put the AFC in one hub, NFC in the other hub, and, and that's how you play. But um, it would definitely be weird because you'd have to play, you'd have to change the schedules to mm-hmm. accommodate playing uh, your your normal six uh, divisional games as well as figuring out how – how you're going to schedule out 10 more um, mm-hmm. other regular season games between um, what 12 other yeah. I mean at that point they might just have to cut down the schedule to 12 games and forget about those four games that are interconference or whatever and but yeah I don't know <laughs> It'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. I mean, obviously right now, none of that's actually happening because they're planning on playing, like, the normal schedules and in the normal locations and whatnot. But, yeah, I think that if anybody gets the virus and it starts to spread, that's the end of the season for sure. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to watch how everything plays out, um, especially when you have to go to an away game and you're not 
in your own team facility bubble. I don't call it team facilities bubbles, but um, yeah, I, I definitely like the the special that, or not special, but um, the segment that they had on NFL Network with uh, Steve Weich going to the LA Rams facility and then seeing all of the things that they're doing there. Um, it, it's definitely interesting. And um, they have these like wristbands that every player has to wear that um, allows, helps them track for contact tracing. And it, it's essentially like if you get within six feet of another person, it tells the wristband that you're within six feet of another person. So, <laughs> um, but I'm not really sure how that works with like ask, seeing like if how they know if that person is positive or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But do that. They also have um, uh, got to check temperature, obviously, like most places now. Um, and then uh, no con- contact doors. Uh, all the doors are um, censored. You just wave your hand in front of it and it opens. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be good. And the the Lions, I don't know if you saw on Twitter today, uh, the Lions sent out a picture of their locker rooms. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> they have plexiglass <laughs> in between each locker. <laughs> and someone was like, that's a lot of plexiglass. <laughs> yeah, well... That's how I think most of the locker rooms are going to look now. So, yeah, I was surprised looking at the NHL locker rooms. Um, that they showed a little bit of that. That, um, as far as it looked, the jerseys were right beside each other. So I'm not sure, but um, well, again, the NHL um, they are in a bubble, so those players are getting tested. Uh, I'm not sure if it's every day or not. I'm not sure what the testing protocols are there, but there's definitely you can't leave. Like, that's what someone said on Twitter. Like there's literally no avenue to leave. There's, they have food there. Um, they have pretty much everything you need um, to be there. Yeah, I mean, NHL players are a different breed anyway. Though. They're some of the toughest people I've ever seen in the NHL. So. Not saying that they could fight off a virus, or whatever, but <laughs> if anybody can, it's probably the NHL. Well, um, last thing to get here that I actually know a couple, couple last things here. Um, the Washington football team, um, they have a couple player updates there. Uh, Darius Geis passed his physical, so he's fully cleared to participate. Um, and then Alex Smith, uh, he has came back, um, he is not going to be able to participate right away. He's going to be on the physically able to, physically unable to participate list, along with Ruben Foster, the linebacker who um, tore his ACL last year. Mm. So those two players are on the pup list to start. But again, Alex Smith is just—it's crazy. Uh, I hope he comes back, but I don't know if he'll have a starting job though. Yeah, someone asked me about um, what I think my his chances are of starting. And I, I said, I'm not sure if he'll ever start again, um, in the NFL, even if he goes to a different team. Um, I have to, I have to see him on the field first. That's, I mean, I've always kind of liked him. So I kind of hope he comes back, but if he can't, then I wouldn't push it. 
Right, and he's also turning uh, 36, I believe, this year. So ages against him as well as health. Um, but, yeah, we're definitely cheering for Alex Smith this year and always, really, uh, ever since I've seen that ESPN special on him and his recovery. Yeah, I wonder how he felt during the Super Bowl last year, though. <laughs> it was the Alex Smith Bowl. True, true. <laughs> um, the last thing we'll go, we'll talk about your Jets. We'll, we'll kind of bookend the the show with with your Jets here. So uh, it was just a, a question that came to my mind when uh, talking about Jamal Adams trade. They have so much draft capital now. Four first round picks in, uh, in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Is it viable to say that they? could go after Yannick Ngakoe in a trade. I mean, we, you and I were kind of talking about it beforehand, but I, I don't know. I think any other year I would kind of be against it. Cause I would much rather be the – I would r- much rather go for the rookies. They're, one, probably a lot cheaper, and two, we, we've already seen that when – and Gakwe's not happy. It's like Jamal Adams. He complains and he wants to sit out. He doesn't want to play. So if that same situation happens with him, if he's in New York, then we're right back to where we started. Um, obviously, he's a great talent and all that. But if it was any other year, though, I'd probably say no. But since it's this year and since there's all these question marks about if they're going to play and all that, and like, I feel like the the draft picks are a little less valuable than they normally are. So I think I might pull the trigger for this year, but I don't know. He definitely he definitely would help the team. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, it's a, it's the same situation with Jamal Adams. That you're gonna have to sign him to a, a mega extension as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his price tag is kind of a little less. Uh, probably one first round pick and maybe um, a third, one and a three might get it done for Jacksonville mm-hmm. uh, because. Unlike Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams is ready to come into training camp and play for the Jets. He was ready to do that if he needed to. Um, but Yannick has said he will not be there. He won't play for Jacksonville this year. So that's definitely different, and I think that um, would allow Jacksonville to trade him for less. And the, the only other thing I would say is I, if they do do that trade – I would want them to give up the Seahawks pick because, as I was saying before, the Seahawks are probably going to be in the mid-20s and the Jets will be lucky if they're in the mid-teens. So I I would definitely rather them give up that Seahawks pick rather than their own. But, yeah, I don't know. Well, um, we'll definitely keep tabs on all the trades, uh, potential trades, uh, and if any more happen, uh, veteran free agent signings like we talked about all along um, to see if uh, any of the, the big-name vets get signed um, that are still out there. But uh, like I said, Larry Warford is off the market already since he opted out of the season, but still a couple of guys out there that, that could get signed. Wait, this is I'm, I'm just kind of scrolling on Twitter here, and this was something interesting that I just came across that Ian Rappaport tweeted two hours ago about Vic Beasley. Um, apparently, Vic Beasley has not shown up to the COVID testing the last couple of days, and he has not told the team where he is or anything. So 
that could be that could turn into something big in the next couple of days. Yeah, um, I, I forgot to say about that, but um, yeah, someone definitely said about uh, Jadavian Clowney time in Tennessee, which he's been. That's the team that he's been linked to all along. Yeah, until the other day, then Bradley McDougal has tried to uh, recruit him here to the Jets. So, <laughs> former <laughs> teammates in Seattle. True, I, I did see that. Um, as well as I'm, I'm looking at Twitter right now too. Um, the another couple of guys that got added to the COVID nineteen list, uh, big name guys for the Lions, Kenny Galladay and T.J. Hawkinson, both on the COVID nineteen list. So they will have to test negative twice um, in order to get in the building. Um, and also the SEC now is getting closer to their schedule for the 2020 season, um, most likely a 10-game um, conference-only slate as well for um, the SEC. I don't believe they are planning to do non-conference games uh, it's going to be really difficult to play non-conference this year um, just because of all the other leagues that have already canceled their non-conference games like the Big Ten and Pac-12, both going conference-only schedules. Um, so that leaves the ACC, Big 12, and SEC as the potential um, non-conference games, which I think, would, depending on what happens with the Big 12 there, the ACC and SEC are kind of more compatible when it comes to a non-conference schedule just because of where they're located. Um, I know it's not, there's not a lot of crossover. That's the only thing. Mm -hmm. um, like I said about Clemson and South Carolina, that's like a perfect match already right there. Um, but when you look at some of the other schools like Notre Dame um, in Indiana, I really don't know any schools other than Purdue that I can think of that that is in Indiana um, that has not canceled their non-conference or completely canceled their 2020 fall season. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there are any. So. so, yeah, that would definitely be an issue for them <laughs> to schedule their non-conference game. But, yeah, um, and also Clyde Edwards-Alaire <laughs> – his odds at Caesar for uh, offensive rookie of the year now have moved from, um, or no, it's, uh, I don't know why, to win an MVP. <laughs> 250 to one has moved up to 75 to one now to win MVP. Um, to win the rushing title, it's uh, went from 75 to one. Now it's down to twenty to one, and to win offensive rookie of the year went from eleven to two, and now is four to one. Uh, I'd have to look at what Joe Burrow's odds are, but um, Edward Zelaya is not not winning the NFL MVP. No. Nor nor I don't I don't even though I know he's going to have a good season, I I don't think he's going to win the rushing title either. No, there's no Chiefs running back with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. No Chiefs running back is going to come close to that title so That's he'll a, ha he'll probably have a good amount of scrimmage yards but i don't think he'll come close to the rushing title unless they're blowing everyone out and uh he's getting a lot of fourth quarter carries <laughs> break <laughs> off a couple of hundred yard touchdown runs. <laughs> yeah. hey derrick henry did it 99 yards 
mm-hmm. uh, one of the best runs that I've ever seen. <laughs> Granted, it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but uh, still, on a Thursday And he night. did it last year against the Titans, I mean, against the uh, Ravens. And <laughs> he basically pushed uh, Earl Thomas in the back there and pushed him like 10 or 20 yards, whatever. <laughs> well, I, I believe that is all we have for the show here today. A lot of NFL news. Um, we'll see uh, what transpires next week. It, it seems like um, since training camp's gotten going now, uh, there's a bunch of news every single week now. So um, I'm curious to see because uh, I'm curious to see who is going to add to the opt-out list, though, because right now you said there was, what, like almost 30 players or anything? None of them were really big names except for a couple of the guys on the Patriots. But I'm curious to see when, like, one of, like, the superstars decides to opt out, if there is going to be one. And then that, I think, will cause a big ripple effect if, like, a big name guy does. Yeah, I think um, the it's interesting to not see a quarterback right now. Even a backup quarterback has not come out and opted out. Um but I I don't know. I I don't think that any of the quarterbacks will. I mean, Sam Darnold already said that he is going to be boring during the season. Go to the stadium or whatever and go straight to his hotel room or his house or wherever he is, not ever go out, not ever do anything. So, I mean, that's the approach that you need for this. But I found it funny because, like, everybody was making fun of him saying, oh, well, last year you were out partying and you got mono and you missed three games because of that, but now you're going to be boring and stay inside and stuff. Well, everyone needs to grow up eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one, th- one last thing here. Uh, when talking about the guys that opted out, Marquise Goodwin uh, said about him for the Eagles, a trade acquisition um, during the draft from the Niners this year. That's why I'm wearing this jersey today. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, um, he, I mean, Deshaun Jackson was always going to be a starter this year regardless, but um, without Marquise Goodwin, it's definitely going to need have the need for Jalen Rager to step up, first-round pick, as well as um, potentially some of the later-round guys, John Hightower and Kez Watkins, um, to step up into the, the starting role there. Especially with Alshon Jeffrey is starting the starting camp on the pup list as well. Hey, would you rather? Would you like to have uh, Nelson Aguilar back? No. <laughs> <laughs> he he can he can be fine out in Vegas with the Raiders. That's a good spot for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, like always, Chris, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, make sure everyone to follow us here on Facebook. Um, every week, 5 p.m. on Wednesday nights, um, as well as our Instagram and Twitter, at FA Podcast, um, our website as well, FAPodcast.com. Check out Adrian's articles on there. Um, please donate. Please, please donate uh, so we can give someone um, a decent amount for a, a scholarship in the 2021 school year um, and help them out financially. Mm-hmm. So like I said, as always, Chris, Thanks for being here. It's been fun.